Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the February 12, 2023 session, focusing on Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. Rigid Rules for Reconciliation. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Burt Montgomery. And I'm Daniel Glaze. If you live long enough, you end up changing your mind on some things. Or at least most of us do, right? I mean, you believe something for a while, you think a certain way, and then something happens that you go, oh, doggone it, I was wrong, or I need to think about that differently. So I'm curious, what's something you've changed your mind about? The LSU Tigers. (laughs) (laughs) You should see the look I got. No, my parents. You've learned not to like them, right? No, I, I learned to like them. Oh, I, I grew up a, a diehard Tulane fan. Both my parents went to Tulane, and we were taught from the moment my sister and I were in the womb, we were taught <laughs> that the L, the LSU Tigers are the epitome of of evil itself. Yeah, and I hated them. And we, I mean, we were in New Orleans, and all my friends were LSU fans. I hated them. And after living in Kentucky, um, about twenty years after I moved away from from Louisiana, I realized. You know, other than brain surgeons, people weren't talking about Tulane sports, but everybody was talking about LSU or Kentucky or everybody at Mississippi State. But Mississippi State wasn't making a lot of waves at the time. That's Tulane, <laughs> though. But anyway, um, so so like, hey, these are my people. This is everybody I went to high school with. This is my neighbors, people who baptized my the pastor who baptized me. And I kind of missed it. And I realized I like pulling for LSU. Then I moved back to Mississippi and had to deal with their fans again. And now I'm kind of iffy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big deal to change sport affiliation. Right. It, it is. Yeah. It is. It's huge. So, you know, it's interesting. And I'll I'll sort of tell them myself here. Even though I have been part of this podcast for several years um, and and we sort of have a a virtual Sunday school curriculum, it's interesting when in the middle of when when COVID first happened and everything shut down, we immediately went to live streaming, not super different from what we're doing, you know, with Faith Element. But I I will admit that I thought, gosh, this is this is a pretty poor substitute for the real thing, for really, you know, gathering in church, worshiping in churches together. And I will admit that something happens when physical bodies are present together in the room, of course. But I will admit that I have so come to embrace virtual church ministry. I mean, we have we have been graced with new church members who found us, um, who have vi- visit with us once a year. But you know, one of our one of our wonderful church members lives in Syracuse, New York, and she serves on committees because she's able to connect virtually and connect with uh, with church committees via Zoom. And so I, I used to be one of those, unless you are infirmed or physically separate from us, you need to join us in the sanctuary. That's That's where the real worship happens. I've done a 180 on that. It has to be both, and it's going to be both for a long time, the in-person plus the virtual. Mm-hmm. And, and if we'll open our minds and our hearts to it, we can feel and the, the presence of one another, and we can believe that we're that we're one family. So, yeah, I've changed my mind on that. Um, I'm gonna say roller coasters. <laughs> so, um, 
in my former life, I used to love to ride roller coasters all the time. I would ride the ones that flipped you upside down. I would ride the ones that go really fast and really high. The only ones I didn't ride were the ones that had straight vertical drops. I can't do the straight vertical drops. Never have been able to. Uh, but now I I don't I don't ride roller coasters anymore. I don't like them anymore. They're not as fun as they used to be. <laughs> and maybe it's not so much that I've changed my mind about them, but that my body changed my mind for me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, roller coasters are out now. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling several of us might feel the same way, Nikki. <laughs> yes. For me, I, I made a pretty significant change in how I understood things. It was just a few years ago, really. Um, I used to believe that audio amplifiers were all the same as long as they had good specs. You know, that that you could go by, as long as the total harmonic distortion was, was low, right? Below a certain level. Then pretty much you could just get whatever you wanted. It was going to be fine. But I've come to believe that you really can hear the difference. Some amplifiers are warmer. Some provide more detail. Even on the same set of speakers, you can change out the amps and it makes a difference. So I have changed my mind. And I know that's a big deal, but that's just where I am. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no idea. What is he talking about? <laughs> but I, I assume that means something to somebody. So. It sounds like growth to me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it was a revelation for me. Yes. <laughs> And it happened because I had an amplifier that stopped working. So I had to get a different one. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so you went in research mode. I did go in research mode. You I did. have My new one is from England. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. It's only 20 watts a channel. It's not high powered. But boy, is it warm. It gives a meatiness to the sound. Mm -hmm. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> I'm with you are now. We, are we eating our records now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an affliction. I'm sorry. Well, um, hopefully we all are willing to change our minds whenever we need to, right? I mean, we could be wrong and often are. And uh, the willingness to change our minds allows us to grow and to progress. We have a text today that perhaps uh, is, a, is a challenge in that regard. Daniel, would you help get us started on this one? I'll be glad to. Yeah, Jesus really sort of changes the discourse here mm -hmm. and hopefully changes some minds uh, as, as he's preaching here. So yes, today we're continuing our study on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Immediately after he is baptized and begins his public ministry, Jesus preaches a discourse of what we might call moral or ethical teachings. And you know, I think we've done a good job of domesticating the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, we love the part about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, how they're cared for by God. But how often do we simply hop right over Jesus' command to tear out our eyeballs or cut off our hands if they're causing us to sin? Indeed, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives everyone something to love and something to hate. In fact, Pastor Amy Butler tells the story of one Sunday, I think it was six years ago, deciding against preaching a sermon she had written and instead preached in Sunday worship the entire Sermon on the Mount. No breaks, just the word of Jesus. In the coffee hour following worship, she had several people come up to her and say that they really did not like, some even vehemently disagreed, with many parts of her sermon. 
She was simply reading the words of Jesus. As I've often said, if Jesus offends me, that's likely more of a me problem than a him problem. In the verses we're considering this week, Jesus presents a series of specific interpretations of the Mosaic law and contrasts them with a new way of viewing that law, a new understanding. He begins these statements with, you've heard it said this, but now I say to you that. And let me say here at the outset that I don't believe Jesus is contradicting the law per se, but rather presenting its true intent, its fulfillment. That's what he said he came to do, after all. You've heard it said, you shall not murder, Jesus says, but I say to you, if you're angry with your brother or sister, if you insult them, if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the fires of hell. Jesus seems to be saying, yes, murdering someone is certainly one way to kill the relationship, pardon the pun. But you can also injure their spirit, deny their humanity, wreck their sense of self through an angry attitude or careless insult, and that's wrong too. Jesus says, you've heard it said that you should not commit adultery. But he then takes it a step further, explaining that we can be unfaithful in our relationships by sexually objectifying one another. Through these examples of human behavior, Jesus shares with us what the law says about conflictive and damaging human interactions, and with fresh insight, he gives us a path to mend these broken relationships. And that's what I think this is all about, mending broken relationships. Because here's where Jesus lays it all out for us. Before you bring your offering to church, he says, you must reconcile yourself to the one whom you've hurt then you give your gift to God. I think this is important because God created us to live in relationship. So when relationships are broken, when we're separated from one another, we're also separated from God. Jesus indicates that reconciliation with God cannot be separated from reconciliation with one another. And for that real reconciliation to occur, we must not only acknowledge that we've committed an offense, we must value the relationship enough to seek to restore it, face-to-face, person-to-person. This is an extremely timely word for us today, I believe. I don't know that we are any worse than previous generations in damaging relationships. However, and I'll defer to Bert, our resident sociologist, but it appears to me that in our hyper-connected world, it's much easier to damage relationships nowadays because we interact with so many people multiple times a day through phone, text, email, social media. We have many more opportunities to damage relationships. We used to have to wait until Thanksgiving to get into it with Uncle Frank, and now we can do it anytime from the comfort of our living room sofa. Now, let me be perfectly clear about something. There are absolutely times when it's okay to sever relationships. There are absolutely times when we must walk away. Sometimes the differences are too great. Or to maintain our own sanity, we have to part ways. Moreover, abuse in any form is never okay. And in order to be safe, you may need to leave. That may go without saying, but I need to say it anyway. Now, that said, I think in many cases, 
relationships can be and should be restored. So let me ask, dear listener, that difficult question. Do you have a relationship that needs mending? Might you hear the call of Christ to pick up the phone, have lunch, offer forgiveness? To be sure, offering forgiveness doesn't mean that instantly the hurt is gone and the relationship restored. But maybe it's one step on the path of letting go some of the pain and bitterness. It's not an easy task, that's for sure, but forgiveness and reconciliation are crucial for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's some background on our text for today. Daniel, thank you. I, I don't know if I have anything to add other than I just, I love how you, you connected it to relationships and to destroying relationships, whether that's through objectifying people or through our anger and hatred, cutting them off. But I also like how you came back and said that sometimes that's a you know, for our own sanity, you have to put up boundaries and walk away. But mm -hmm. I, yeah, and as a sociologist, oh my gosh, yes, social media has made it a trillion times easier and faster for immediate mm -hmm. anger and immediate attack and destruction. Well, yeah. and, and there are active, I mean, it just feels like there are active forces seeking to get us to be difficult with one another, right? To divide yeah. us, yeah. to cause us to uh, take positions op opposing one another in such a way that it damages relationships. And yeah. it's it just feels like all over the place there is the call. It's almost like a, a pull to become angry about something at yeah. someone. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, I don't want to mm -hmm. live like that. That kind of caustic relationship is uh, unfortunately good for business. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to both sides this, but look at... Um, cable news channels of varying perspectives mm -hmm. and look at which ones are most highly rated yeah. and ask, are those ones that are straightforward news giving or is it commentary with a bite, mm -hmm. making fun of others, degrading others? It's good for business. It, and it and that gets into us. It has to. And, and like, if you watch on Netflix, I, I don't say anymore how old something is because Nikki will correct me. But a few years ago, <laughs> there was a there was a film on Netflix called The Social Experiment, I think. Oh, yeah. And it takes a look at some of the background of what goes on in social media. And just what you said, Daniel, they they have tracked our engagement that we will click more. We will linger longer. We will reply to or share something that makes us angry much quicker than something that makes us hopeful or something that divides us will spur us to action more than something that unites us. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's, man, that's unfortunate that human nature is such that we uh, are prone to that. And, and just like the people who were listening to Jesus speak, David, I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm terribly guilty of that. I have to, I've really tried to cut back a whole lot of, in fact, I've cut down to only one social media site and I really limit what I allow myself to scroll through because I immediately want to post something. I want to share something. I want to respond to somebody. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Nope. Yeah. 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 I've done the same thing, Bert. I have definitely backed away from it quite a bit because woo, that reflex kicks in fast. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and it does destroy relationships. It, it does. does. Yeah. With people that you love. This is true. This is true. Mm. So, so speaking of social media, uh, do y'all remember? It's probably three or four years ago. And David, I'll find a link and put it in the show notes. Do y'all remember this viral video of it was a a woman in a uh, in the seat on the plane? And there's a gentleman behind her, I use gentleman loosely, who's punching the back of the seat. She's recording it. It, it was so bizarre. It was whole the whole setup was, are you on the woman's side or the man's side? Because apparently woman reclines her seat and and it's in the man's way. And he has no recourse, evidently, other than to start punching her seat. And I thought, why is this team her or team him? Why are we acting like this? Why did we not say, how hard would it have been to say, excuse me, is it okay if I recline my seat? I'd like to take a nap. Oh, no worries, but I'm trying to work. Can you maybe only put it halfway back? Right. Sure, no problem. I mean, how hard is it to consider the feelings that that, that there are other human beings in this world? But but we're not we're not even set up because no one was asking that question. It was always, well, she's right because she bought a seat that reclines, so she's not wrong in reclining it. And, you know, the people who were on the guy's side were saying, you know, well, gosh, there's only so much space on a plane anyway. She's so rude for taking up. I thought, we're missing the whole point here. <laughs> or maybe we should just ask, why do they keep making the seats smaller and smaller and smaller? Yeah. Well, that that's called money. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but again, but, it goes to relationship. The airlines are only interested in putting more seats in. Yes. We I think I interrupted Daniel. I apologize. You were about to say something else. No, I was just I was just going to conclude by saying it seemed like such a foreign concept right. to ask how could a simple 30-second conversation have avoided this whole thing? Right. And, and and it went straight to well, whose side are you on? And and that was that was just such a sad, sad thing to me. We we pick on social media; it certainly deserves it. But I, I think there are other aspects of our culture that have lended itself to objectifying one another. So I okay, driving, right? If I'm walking down a sidewalk and there are other people, you know, I mean, generally we're going to move out of the way for each other. We're going to you know, there might even be smiles or at least acknowledgement, but you know, if there's a dog, <laughs> you know, you might, you might pet the dog or, or smile the dog. You know I mean? We, we have different behaviors when we're walking on sidewalks together than when we're driving on a street together. Right. Because I wouldn't think twice about honking the horn at somebody who I think drive is driving crazy next to me, but I don't know that I'd yell at them at, at a sidewalk. You know what I mean? I mean, mm. is that because we have this metal and glass between us in these vehicles it creates this illusion that somehow they're not human beings in these cars driving down the road together. I mean, even something as basic as traffic, I wonder, does that just set us up for more of this lack of awareness or care about the needs or feelings of others? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture that finds so many ways to be individuals that we have trouble caring for one another as communities. And that's what Jesus is pu pushing us toward in this Jesus is challenging us to care for our communities by caring for one another. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've said it on here before. My dad was a pastor and he gave me what I think it's the theology that I'm not sure I will ever change my mind on. Um, and it's the theology that guides how I read and study scripture. He told me that if, when you read scripture, it is all about relationships. It is about relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, and your relationship with creation. And if you read scripture and ask yourself, what's this relationship it's talking about? You're always going to find that it's about that. It is about how we connect with one another, with God, ourselves, and creation. And that that is what the gospel calls us to tend and to care about and to work at. There's a classic work by Martin Buber called I and Thou, in which he explores the different ways we relate to ourselves and each other in this world. And to, to brutally oversummarize it, <laughs> you know, we can either relate to things as I, you, or it. And, and in the book, he makes the argument, and I think a fair one, that we should never treat other human beings as its. Um, we should treat other human beings as you, and ourselves as I. And that when we find ourselves tempted into treating others as an it, it makes it really hard to relate uh, in any sort of genuine sense. It, it devalues people. And I have to wonder, and I certainly remember <laughs> that book as we're reading this passage, because I feel like that's a lot of what Jesus is calling us to do in relationship to one another, is to see one another as people, as creations of God that are valuable and unique and wonderful and terrible, <laughs> but they're still yous and eyes, not its. And it may be that part of our path and our challenge is for all those people we see as we move around our daily lives, whether we're in our cars <laughs> or on the sidewalk, in the grocery store or at work, at school, those people next to us, across from us, bumping into us, those are creations of God. And our relationship to them matters. Um, and I think part of what Jesus is reminding us is it matters to God, but it also matters in terms of who we are and how we grow. And maybe that's a challenge for me and for all of us this week to find ways to catch ourselves when we are breaking relationships or harming them and instead put our energy into forming relationships and strengthening relationships and healing relationships. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.